kind of existential question, really. Can you ever truly look forward to a visit to Stoke? Well, it's if you like going back in time and visiting man, uh, you know, round about the time of the missing link, that's Stoke. Yeah, apologies to our Stoke cousins and, and their Stoke. Well, no, yeah. look, cousins in the... It's all like city where that was going. <laughs> just put it down on the table and slowly back away. <laughs> yeah, you tear him up and um, Juan Mata will tee him up and Robin Van Persie will hit him. We won a football match, Ed! Well, indeed he did. We won a football match, we did win a football match, and it wasn't the most spectacular of performances. It's a bit odd when the bottom side in the Premier League comes and hogs the ball for long periods of time, which is exactly what Cardiff did, you know. Not the first average side to come and out past United, of course. But when Mata was there and he started the game, we thought he might, a little short of match fitness, he looked a touch rusty, although he got the ball loads. I have to say, it was nice that he got the ball more than any other United player, I think. Passed it neatly. I guess my principal observation on Mata is that I don't think he really played like Juan Mata. And I think we'll see a different style from him. I kind of hope we do. I mean, he basically played just in off the right-hand channel and pinged a lot of cross-field balls. And that's not really his game, you know. He's the man who plays it through the defence and uh, pokes around the edge of the box. That, again, of course, is not David Moyes' style, but we'll see whether Mata adapts or Moyes adapts, which comes first. Yeah, I was going to say, Moyes has got his hands on him now. Three days in training, that's it. Who fit long, son? Get out wide and who fit to Robin? That's the Man United way. Well, that's it. It is. It's passing a triangle in central midfield and get it out to the wing as early as possible and get someone to overload. And uh, Mata was playing that style. I mean, he's uh, this is not tiki-taka by any means. He looks different class, though, didn't he? Well, he's very classy on the ball. He's very, very classy on the ball. And he made some lovely touches as well, you know, being a little cynical uh, in commentary about his style of play. Although, you know, I, I do think it fits into a Moyes pattern, at least, you know, on 90 minutes worth of evidence. But very, very nice touches. He made four chances. So the stats tell us a lovely ball for Ashley Young at one point floated to the back post, which Young didn't put in, had a hand in the first goal and a very accomplished debut. I think there's a lot more to come from him, but I don't think there are any complaints, really. No, absolutely. I mean, my principal response to seeing him in a red shirt was just giddy childlike excitement really and the fact that we scored after six minutes Robin Van Persie back in the side six minutes in we were actually winning a game was a pretty exciting early period in that game and it definitely petered out as Cardiff managed to dominate our midfield of Brian Giggs and Phil Jones funny that how, how does that happen I'm not sure how you play central defender and a 40 year old in midfield and uh, the bottom side in the Premier League runs triangles around you runs triangles but you know passed it in triangles anyway and they, they did keep a loss of the ball I mean 55% of possession overall but even more than that in the second half I think uh, yeah and I had you know Giggs did alright actually in that game and he kind of looked vaguely interesting in the centre of midfield which is more than can be said for his colleagues that were not playing you know there was a lot of forward momentum when he had the ball really good in possession didn't have a huge amount of the ball but hardly gave the ball away which is of course not the Ryan Giggs way but yeah, so that wasn't bad. But Phil Jones is... The what's Phil Jones's best position is a running gag on this show, right? But it's so incredibly clear that the people who are saying that central midfield is his best position and where he'll end up in the end, I don't know, someone needs to take him away and teach him how to do that for a season before he's going to be able to do it because he's just not a midfielder, is he? No, he's really not. He's a defender playing in midfield and I don't think he could get away with it anywhere but in England. I feel like we're going around in circles for this conversation, which is much like Phil Jones's performances in midfield. <laughs> Boom. 
He just doesn't know how to play the position. I'm sorry that running around and making some tackles, he's not playing in midfield. No wonder that United struggled in that portion of the pitch. But up front, there's plenty of quality. Rooney was back, uh, came on as a substitute. Van Persie started. I thought it might have been the other way around, given that Van Persie has been out for so long. But he looked all right. He didn't look too rusty, did he, Van Persie? And and reacted pretty quickly for the opening goal. And I think that really helped United, actually. uh, Scoring so early made sure that the game was a little easier than it might have been otherwise, because uh, United have conceded quite a few goals absolutely I mean I said after the Chelsea game we really need to score when we've got that early possession because when we don't we really cause problems for ourselves because we mm. was that in a top 10 list of why we really need to score early yeah it was a top six list in fact that one yeah but but the top five reasons why it's good when we score early are Robin Van Persie off the mark and like it stops all the little niggling self-doubt of whether he's going to come back strong you know because he is a form player Van Persie right I mean all strikers are I guess and Van Persie is in form more than he's not but when he's out of form you you really can tell the second thing is it meant that all that Cardiff possession afterwards felt a little safer and I mean it, it did get hairy a couple of times but it just relieved so much pressure and given the nature of the expectation the build up to that game between the signing of Mata uh, and then the announcement that Van Persie and Rooney would both be involved in the squad and the fact that Mata was in the first team the fact that we scored early was just brilliant right just sealed the deal as it were well yeah and uh, I mean it just it's a massive boost there's no doubt about that uh, I think there was a lot of confident noises coming from the United camp on Mata's signing uh, behind the scenes it might be different I mean certainly Andy Mitten's piece this week was interesting in terms of his insight into what players say in public and what they might think behind closed doors and I think that bears itself out on the pitch you know there's a lot of players there that they seem to have lost a couple of percent of edge but there's a huge boost from Mata joining, uh, a massive boost from Rooney and Van Persie being fit again. And United should turn over, uh, Stoke coming up and then Fulham after that. And, and then we go into the Arsenal game. So it's a nice little run. Of course, you know, we had this before Christmas as well when we had a run of games that United could turn the size over pretty easily. And then as soon as we face some decent size, all the confidence left again. And let's, let's hope that doesn't happen this time round. Maybe Mata is the stimulus to give United just that little bit more oomph. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mata and the return of Rooney and Van Persie, right? Because never has the, like a new signing nonsense, seemed more apt than the effect that those two could potentially have on United. I guess there's a, there's a whole big discussion to be had, which is pure speculation, and we'll see how it all plays out about what Moyes is going to do with the talent available to him now. I mean, he played young and Valencia in that game, and a lot of people decried that as a sort of backwards, conservative, Neanderthal step, given the options. But really, it was quite sensible he played young, because Ever has been injured, so he wanted to provide some measure of cover on the left-hand side, and he uh, needed to rest Yanazai. Rooney wasn't fully fit yet. If he's going to play young, he can't play young Mata and Kagawa, so Valencia kind of has to play, really. I hope that that is not necessarily indicative of his plans in the long term. Well, he could play young Mata and Kagawa. I mean, we've all talked about him playing Kagawa, Yanazai and Mata. So, you know, they're all flexible enough to do that. Actually, uh, that is one of Young's strengths in that he can play across any of those three positions. You know, we don't know the answers yet uh, to exactly how this will turn out. I, being a cynic of long-standing, suspect that we'll, we'll try and cram some talented squares into round holes and, and uh, Moyes will stick to his long-understood tactics of getting the ball out wide and putting crosses in and uh, whether he's got talented players that are natural wingers or talented players that are naturally number 10s that are playing in wide positions, that's still what United will do now. At Everton, when he used players like Pinar in wide positions rather than, say, players like Morales... 
Pinar being a player likes to cut in, allowed Baines space to run into the channel and, and Evra should get that and Evra's successor, whoever that might be. And if he uses a traditional winger like Valencia, then Rafael will support in a different way, you know, and it's pretty obvious the pattern. Yeah, it doesn't take a tactical genius to work this one out and it doesn't take a tactical genius from the opposition to work it out either. I do wonder whether Moyes will want to adapt. And when you've got talent like Kagawa and Yanazai and Mata, you kind of think you should use them in the best way. And we'll see. We'll see whether that happens or not. I mean, you're a cynic of long-standing, and I'm an optimist of long-standing. I'm not saying they're opposite things. We clearly know that cynicism and pessimism are not the same. But the optimist in me says that actually Moyes is getting it. And we talked a little bit before we started recording about the fact that Moyes has shown his teeth this week um, and, and very interesting that he used the signing of Juan Mata to announce to his players that he was now really in control and if they didn't shape up they were going to get shipped out. Well I think he got confidence not only from the signing but also from the fact that he has this control over the team and the budget uh, and he's obviously got confidence from the fact that uh, he will be allowed to spend and build his own team uh, which I would suggest he didn't have before but now he does and so that's given him it's given him some impetus it's given him some confidence it's given him some credibility in the market I suppose uh, and he grew a pair frankly I'm not sure about showing his teeth but uh, he seems to have manned up and that was a, a, something we'd asked for for a while wasn't it and look after that we can have the debate about whether he's a good enough coach whether he's smart enough tactically whether he'll be able to give United that little bit of edge whether he'll just still going to be a reactive coach or he'll develop a pattern and style of play as all the best coaches do you know, that may come and, and that's kind of why people say, let's not panic, let's give him time to develop that. The real question, I suppose, now is, you know, whether he can develop a team quick enough. And uh, now that he's got that control of the situation, and we certainly know he's going to ship some players out, definitely, and maybe more this winter and definitely quite a few in the, in the summer. And, and almost by default, that will force him into creating his own team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, he has shipped out Wilf and Fabio, uh, both on loan, I think, right? I think, no, Fabio's a, yeah. He's no, actually... Fabio's a permanent deal because you, you can't loan two from the same club. But um, So, yeah, I mean, he only has six months yeah. left on the contract anyway. So they took a greater fee from the Wilf Zaha loan than they did from the Fabio permanent transfer. It's sad in a way, sad in a way. Good for Wilf that... He's going to get some game time away from the environment in uh, Manchester where he just has not settled and, and doesn't seem to have knuckled down. Uh, Rumour is, of course, he's not professional enough. Late for the under-21 game the other week, got dumped on the bench as a result. Uh, late for training, so says the word, uh, and all of that. And Fabio, a bit sad because it's three years ago that he was starting in the European Cup final and uh, he's had some bad luck a bad loan at QPR so a lot of injuries just not get himself fit um, and the fact that his brother was able to grab that right back slot and he's not really a left back you know so there's, uh, there's more talent I think than in the lower reaches of the Premier League available there yeah, and I hope that what happens is he gets consistent games and the transformation that's happened to Raphael happens to Fabio too. Yeah, why not? And he's got the right coach to do that. And I also think it's probably quite good for Raphael, actually, because Raphael's best season in a red shirt came when his brother was away on loan. And this season, the distraction of his brother's difficulty with the current setup, it must, you would think, given how close they are, that that's going to have a bit of a pull on Raphael's game himself um, and I, I think he's been pretty good this season but not as good as he was last season and I, I, hopefully I think it might end up being a bit of a blessing in disguise for Raphael 
Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, again, the cynic in me tells me that Moyes just doesn't quite trust Raphael because he's just a little loose defensively. And, uh, you know, in the same way, he doesn't trust Kagawa and he just doesn't trust Nani either, right? And, and you know, they, these players all got their faults. I'm not pretending that they're perfect. I think of the three, Raphael's got less faults or he's ironed out the faults more than the others and, and got more of a chance of succeeding under Moyes. Now, I'd say that if Moyes was ever in the market for a right back, he might do it just because of the nature of Raphael. Raphael's slightly loose defensive play. We'll see. So what, what's your evidence for that? Because as far as I can call to memory, Raphael hasn't started when he's been fit once, twice maybe this season. He's, he's Moyes' first choice right back every time. Yeah, well, he hasn't got many other choices. Uh, he hasn't got many other choices, but just look at the facial expressions when Raphael gets the ball and screws up defensively. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but if we're reading Moyes by his facial expressions, basically what he wants is to just be somewhere anywhere else oh god please let me free uh, but, but this week he looked really happy and I was I feel really positive about David Moyes today and I was thinking why is it that I feel so good about David Moyes today I'm like oh yeah because I'm a child and he's bought a shiny new toy new dad has come along and basically Fellaini was a go-bot and Juan Mata was a transformer you know it, it was Fellaini was new dad trying to impress the people impress the new kids saying you know here's you've wanted a midfielder for ages here's one. Oh, we didn't want a rubbish midfielder new dad and now we've got someone who's not a midfielder but is very shiny and new and exciting and uh, it was nice to see David Moyes looking so very happy as Juan Mata got off that helicopter yes it was I mean I mean it's a, it's a massive win for him it's a massive win for him so yes he was very happy and United showing off a little bit there uh, funny how they uh, massively spun this wasn't it the, the story in the Guardian Woody has been on the phone to Daniel Taylor telling him how wonderful he managed this transfer by having absolutely no role in it and allowing the agents to do it all for United. So this was apparently a piece of transfer genius. Interesting spin on it. And then uh, the spin around uh, Rooney and his new contract. And uh, Rooney, in fact, being the real manager. That's why David Moyes is happy, because all the pressure is gone, because Rooney's now picking the team. Yeah, I mean... My first response to that story was, of course, to want to throw up all over the place because the whole Wayne Rooney is bigger than the club. Mesquite un club, Wayne Rooney, is a, a bit of a problem. But on the other hand, the, the spin went that Mata got the lowdown on the transfers and so Rooney did too. And Mata did as part of his contract negotiations and Rooney has as part of his. And frankly, I'm not sure there's anything very wrong with that. And we're all used to, we've had years of totalitarian dictatorship where, you know, that would have been an absolute anathema for a player to want to know where the club was going but I think in the current situation given that United may look like they're falling apart at the seams Rooney's got every right to know where the significant funds are going to be invested in rebuilding the squad before he yes well there's there's yes uh, we're going to look honest Wayne we're going to spend loads of money and I suppose that one might have worked last time maybe he's not fool enough to fall for it twice and he wants some details now I don't know but look it's 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 not just that it's the fact that it's combined with Moise's obsequious attitude over the last six months towards Wayne Rooney that causes you know some concern uh, Rooney you know stomped his feet and threw his toys out of the pram for the second time in four seasons uh, and uh, instead of being put back in his place uh, he's been pandered to by Moyes and it looks like Moyes has lost some control right that's that's what it looks like and I'm not sure that'll go down well with the rest of the players we'll see how the, this one plays out you know I don't half suspect that uh, given 18 months Rooney will have another strop about something at some point there was an interesting moment in the post-match interview after Cardiff oh let's briefly finish off the Cardiff game 
Ashley Young scored a blinder. He scored his special move goal. That is the Ashley Young goal. Quarter circle yes. forward, hard kick. Ashley Young belts it towards the... Cuts inside and belts it. And it doesn't always work, but it's lovely when it does. And that's two this season of those. It's really easy to defend against Ashley Young, showing the outside. Yeah. Um, uh, that's uh, it. That's all you need the, to do. Ali Solskjaer says in the, uh, in the, the, the post-match interview, you can't defend like that against Ashley Young. And... I'm thinking no you can't the irony is there are so many options for ways you can defend against Ashley Young to be fair his delivery was actually quite good uh, against Cardiff he put in a couple of decent balls and uh, you know this is all relative speaking I'm not suddenly an Ashley Young fan he is a, a wide player of the mediocre variety but he's United's mediocre I suppose uh, and he's good squad filler and, and you'd hope given the amount of talent there is available to play in kind of forward positions uh, that he gets less game time not more as a season goes on that Cardiff game was that is Ashley Young's level you know because I think Cardiff are realistically probably should be a mid-table-ish side and I think you know Ashley Young should go back to Aston Villa and I don't mean that in a nasty way I mean it in a to be good enough to be a mid-table premiership footballer you have to be absolutely brilliant at football you know but he's not the top 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 level is he He's certainly not. Uh, there you go. I mean, he's he'll complete this season with United. He's certainly not going anywhere in the winter transfer window, and that'll be three years at Manchester United. Uh, amazing. It makes you think. Ando's got the 88 shirt at Fiorentina, talking about players who have had a... Yes, he ate a lot. I mean, really, it's almost not fair that he's got 88 on his back because it's just too many jokes all in one go isn't it yeah well you know we get this 95% of our material isn't it so we're going to keep milking that one until he's officially not a United player anymore of course he's called Ando yeah O-W at the end which is a little weirder from his Instagram name there you go fresh start all round for the lad yeah and his shirt's already gone <laughs> it's like oh yeah no just selling your loan Anderson it's fine no it's only a loan we just want to get you some game time and go uh David, you said I was on loan. Why has this new lad got my shirt number? It's pretty fair to say that our new number eight is better than our old number eight, isn't it? Well, yes, although, of course, uh, the old number eight came for a huge amount of money and there was a lot of excitement about him. Uh, and people praised his early performances as well. So. You cannot be cynical about the Juan Mata transfer. <laughs> I can't believe that's possible. No, I'm not. I think he's got he's got too much quality to fail, although I think he could be misused. Definitely think he could be misused. Or maybe a fairer way of putting that is not misused, but the best won't be brought out of him because he won't be played in the way that's going to bring the best out of him, which is to give him a very loose role behind a forward and, and concentrate the play through the middle a little bit. And, you know, I'm not um, necessarily saying that's how I think United should play I just think that's the best way to get the most out of your very expensive new number 10 I mean I think that's how United should play definitely Yanazai Rooney matter behind Van Persie sounds all kinds of right to me yes and it's definitely not a traditional let's knock it into the box uh, and it's very un-David Moyes so I'm afraid I don't have a I don't have a prediction I have a I have a fear that uh, nothing will actually change in Moyes' makeup because why should it it hasn't in 15 years of being a manager yeah but it's different it's just totally different being United manager he just got to spend £40 million on a player that's never happened in David Moyes' career before well it might have done when he was playing football <laughs> manager or some other interweb type thing yeah um, so in the post-match interview talking of being obsequious to Wayne Rooney as you were earlier Van Persie sc- I most certainly was not obsequious no, no, to Wayne Rooney no. <laughs> you were talking about it Moyes said of Robin Van Persie well they've been telling me about all his goals last season 
I, I can't believe he pulled the old they've been telling me line again it's been a while since he rolled that one out and also I know they have been quite quiet recently haven't they what a massive dig that was at Van Bursi. his goals last season you know and also like goals are not like you could say they told me Shinji Kagawa was a really good player but it's the first time I've seen it you can't say they told me Robin Van Persie scored loads of goals because if you didn't know that really what were you doing as a manager of another Premier League team last season well apparently every waking moment that he's not actually watching a football match he's on the road somewhere looking at football it's got absolutely nothing to do with scouting players you understand he just loves it doesn't he alright so talking of scouting players he was chatting in the crowd in Germany with a man who is the agent for some German footballers uh, we've signed a diminutive Spanish midfield genius attacking midfield genius can we uh, sign a German engine room to go with it to make the perfect combination is it going to happen Ed? Uh, well the player they were talking about is Tony Cruz he's not really an engine room a very very fine player very fine player I mean started out as a left winger basically but he's been playing a lot more centrally he can play I'd say in any of the attacking uh, areas and, and he's also played in a more traditional central midfield role for Bayern too he's very very flexible very very good player and currently in a contract dispute with Bayern his, his contract doesn't actually run out until 2015 so United aren't in a position of power here but there's a little negotiating flexibility uh, I would be surprised if Bayern let him go he plays pretty much every game under Guardiola uh, he's a, a Guardiola type player I think a player who can play in many different positions and very comfortably um, and it's all going to come down to money in the end and, and Bayern are not short and I'd be surprised if they let one of their own go uh, you know, because of a dispute over money I'd be really surprised So Moyes has been fairly insistent that we're not going to get anyone in the transfer window but he also said he didn't really expect to be able to get Mata in the transfer window so do you think that the next well I think it's about four days as we record this do you think it's going to be exciting times? No I, I, I think that's it now I mean I think uh, Inter is still desperately trying to offload Freddy Guaran or Guarin I suppose in Spanish and he's not good enough I think for United it's kind of my opinion on him I think that would be a kind of holding position let's get some squad filler in but we've got enough squad filler in midfield although of course we have shipped one out so we're a man light so I don't think that will happen and the, the other one I was worrying might happen as, as Kabai but uh, uh, PSG have stepped into a 19 million pounds worth of bench warmer because he's not going to play very much in Paris given the quality they've got in central midfield so that one won't happen so I think no purchase uh, of a central midfielder this winter which is a shame because we need one but maybe they've got their eyes on some others in the summer Gundogan perhaps who has a buyout clause I mean the matter transfer definitely makes the sense that it's all falling apart and we're never going to be able to buy a player again because everyone behind the scenes is completely incompetent makes that seem slightly further off I mean you mentioned the briefing to Danny Taylor a slightly odd way that they handled that transfer right and and it does seem to indicate that a fairly significant shift has happened in the way United are going to conduct their transfer business not just in terms of personnel but in terms of methodology as well well I think that was specific I suppose I mean in most circumstances the senior executives are still required to do the final negotiation you know it's, there's some personality involved this is why David Gill was very successful uh, in a sense uh, he was very very well connected in European football circles Edward Wood isn't and, and on this occasion so the spin goes they didn't want to engage Chelsea and, and have a falling out with them over Wayne Rooney so they did it all through intermediaries maybe you know I, I think that's a very expensive way to conduct your business if you're going to be handing over sort of 10 or 15% premiums on players uh, because you're engaging three sets of agents, but maybe that's the way they'll do it. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see, won't we? Um, I do think it looks like they're extremely serious about strengthening in the summer, though. The way they've been talking, the way Matters talked about the players that are going to be coming to United in the summer, it could be be really fun and exciting, right? I think I think that is clearly a possibility. Well, there are two options for United in the summer, given that so many players will be leaving by average and don't spend too much money and end up sinking down the table, or spend some big money now, protect your investment, uh, and. Uh, retain that position amongst you know at least the top four that's your two options which would you pick well i I would pick the second of those two options very good I would pick mysterious option C do whatever it takes to buy Zlatan Ibrahimovic but that's why it's a good job that I'm not in charge of football clubs yes Um, the the former greatest player in the world ever 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 now we know it of course it's Vidal at Juventus who uh, who has you know declared himself usurping Ibra as the greatest player that ever lived I'm up for it though I'm super up for getting a a crazed egomaniac in just to offset Wayne Rooney you know (laughs) it'll be fun I think that that could be just what United's midfield need yes um, very good Uh, so uh, of course um, one last word on the the Cardiff game I thought it was quite funny uh, noon afterwards the Cardiff midfielder um, expressing his gratitude for, for Wayne Rooney swapping shirts I thought he wasn't allowed to do that domestic game Really, it said said he'd swap shirts with Wayne Rooney and offered Ananyana Zai his uh, his Nando's loyalty card. <laughs> now that we've brought back the Cardiff game, I haven't got ridiculously soppy about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for a bit. So uh, here's here's me doing that for a minute. How lovely was all the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer bit? As soon as we'd scored, like pressure was off. United fans almost as one rising to beautiful rendition of "You Are My Solskjaer," and then who put the ball in the German's net later on when one of the Cardiff lads was down injured. Ollie was like standing in his technical area looking a bit worried but then the United fans started singing again and like you could literally see him have to force himself not to grin from ear to ear because um, it must be nice to to come to a place where you're quite that loved well yes he might not be loved in Cardiff given their results ah, lost, all, lost all three of their no, league games so I'm not far. having it I'm not having it he's transformed that side and uh, they're gonna they've got a bunch of home games in a row Derby away against Swansea he's gonna win all of them go on a running is well he's certainly brought in a lot of players and I guess they needed it and they're, they're in pretty dire straits but the new manager can have that stimulus it certainly has done at Crystal Palace I mean you'd have uh, put good money on them being relegated now five points clear of the relegation zone so it can happen very quickly it's very tight down there and he just desperately needs a win desperately otherwise he's going to be in trouble and I can't imagine him lasting at Cardiff if they get relegated but um, that's the risk you take and uh, you know he's a good coach and I, I'm hopeful that it will uh, turn around from him there's there's some divided loyalties here of course because he's working for an utter nut job in Vincent Tan uh, he is yeah but really he's working for the people of the club because he is clearly a man of the people and a man of goodness and pure joy at his heart talking of the people's club Manchester City released their financial figures the citizens right yeah owned by the state of the united arab emirates how how are they looking money wise ed well they lost 50 million pounds to add to their 98 million that they lost last season of course some of that is rather careless yeah just fell down sheikh mansur's sofa i mean he's got a few billion down there it's it's hard to keep hold of it all it just drops out your pocket now you know when you lose a tenner and you're like i'm sure i had two in there but you know sure he had 50 million in there just dropped out but uh yeah uh, not looking good for financial fair play although having said that their sponsorship income is now only a few million nine million short of manchester united's Manchester United who signed a sponsorship deal with every company on the planet and some that aren't even on the planet and Manchester City who've signed a sponsorship deal with every Abu Dhabi based company on the planet 
and some that are only in Abu Dhabi and not the rest of the planet. Um, I personally believe that they're a very viable commercial entity and there's no uh, special interests uh, being pursued for the sake of manipulating the financial fair play system. Mm, very good. Well, if you believe that and you are at Steve <laughs> underscore MF, MCFC on Twitter, um, you may also believe that the £12.8 million that Manchester City received from the Abu Dhabi owners for intellectual property rights is nothing to do with gerrymandering the accounts either. Look, Micah Richards could be turned into an excellent series of uh, action movies and video games. He's not useful for much else, is he? <laughs> I love Micah Richards. Micah Richards is one of them like opposition players you can't help but love, mostly because of the video mm. of him singing the Carrick song. So here's my prediction. The accounts are going next year. It will be the third of three in financial fair play, although, of course, it's phased in. So the third of three that count towards the first year of financial fair play, and then there's three after that that also count to the aggregate loss that you can make of 45 million euros over that time. Anyway, whatever the aggregate loss is for City in those years one, two, and three, they'll have a mysterious backer that equals the aggregate loss. Random prediction there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, who knows what the future holds? It's just completely up in the air. Maybe they will, you know, find an even more valuable official noodle partner than uh, Mammy Noodles. Maybe they will, yeah. Abu Dhabi Pot Noodle will sponsor them to the tune of £500 million a year. Yeah, it's it's uh, not quite as blatant as uh, Paris Saint-Germain, whose um, sponsorship is, is based on the game of Scrabble, uh, because every single one of them <laughs> begins with the letter Q. Basically, Ryan Giggs has got more history than Paris Saint-Germain, and yet they've made themselves one of the top five com- most commercially successful clubs in the world in a very short space of time. Yeah, very strange club, uh, based out in the suburb in this awful concrete bowl of a stadium and yeah it's bad isn't it you know absolutely nothing around it and and uh, the parisians don't care much for them either but uh, but the the qataris do and the qataris have funded them very very nicely uh, interesting uh, story in in um, in france this week uh, you know, since we're on you know financials for a little bit monaco of course uh, don't have to none of the players have to pay tax so it's uh, an unfair advantage and it's never been a problem in 120 years of monaco being in the french league uh, until a russian billionaire bought them and started buying all sorts of players like Falcao and, and Rodriguez and uh, a bunch of others and now they've kicked off and they're not very happy about it especially Paris Saint-Germain because this, this is unfair financial doping right you know financial doping has to come in the box that we allow it to come in not, not this weird shaped one that Monaco brought along anyway so Monaco have agreed to pay 50 million euros in bribes to the rest of the league to allow them to continue playing in French football it's a lovely state of affairs over there at the moment you know financial fair play Platini's uh, brainchild and uh, the most screwed up country in football finance is definitely France I mean I don't know why any billionaire would consider Monaco to be an attractive place to run a football team that seems really odd to me no no I mean you know if you were a cynic which uh, clearly I am not uh, you'd say it was something about laundering money but (laughs) hey but no it's not we definitely want to make extremely clear that we are not suggesting that any of this has anything to do with anything actually illegal. God knows, otherwise I'll be stuck in the back with an umbrella full of plutonium, won't I? <laughs> well, basically, what'll happen is Fergie will knock the door down and go, listen lad, you've been talking about that Bebe transfer again. Oh, Bebe, he scored an absolute wonder goal the other week. I think we talked about that one already. You know, Bring back Bebe. Absolutely. Alright, so uh, he probably won't be back in time for the Stoke game, and before we preview this Stoke game let's do some Twitter questions for the listeners because we've rambled on even though we didn't think we'd have much to talk about we've found a lot to talk about but let's make sure we get some of these in 
So, there's talk of Danny to Inter at the moment, says at Big Shimmery Wall, but currently that's just a loan deal. If it was a permanent transfer as part of a player swap, would you rather swap Guarin now or no centre midfield now, but Kovacic in the summer? Ah, well, Kovacic is a, is a very good player. Um, I, I think I might rather have uh, Alvarez. He's, he's the better of the three, but uh, he is a kind of attacking number 10 style. And we seem to have a, a rather a lot of attacking number 10 style players at the moment. I, I'm not sure I'd have any into players, in all honesty. I, I'm not quite sure there where it's at at the moment in terms of uh, midfielders. Look over at Turin, though, and Juve have got a couple of very nice ones. I'd have thank you very much. Um, talking of which, best beard in football, asks Jonas Holmes, 21. Socrates. Oh, the late great. The late great. The bearded genius himself. Uh, all right, best but best contemporary beard. I mean... The, the one Wayne Rooney had in that Nike ad. <laughs> Andrea Pirlo's hard to beat, as far as I'm concerned. And Nocerino, of course, a, a spectacular beard. Yeah, the, yeah. Mr. Champagne, who is going uh, up against Seth Blatter, or going to be spanked in the election. Yeah, for the... ritual sacrifice yeah. against Seth Blatter. Exactly, yeah, I'm surprised he had... Well, you know that Seth's not worried because uh, Mr. Champagne has not been uh, charged with uh, financial impropriety. I-, I love how Seth Blatter has got a sense of humour. So when he wants to get rid of one of his opponents, he accuses them, them of doing exactly what Seth has done for the last 20 years, allegedly. Yeah. Anyway, anyway he's got a cracking beard. It's this weird one that comes down from his lip, then sort of forks out and it looks rather like a an anchor on his chin nice i must check this out that sounds impressive at ed barber friend of the rank cast says would you rather have 10 juan matter sized peter crouches or one crouch sized juan matter i'm not sure juan matter would have the same kind of balance if he was six foot twelve whatever peter matter is <laughs> peter no. matter peter crouch but I, and i think right if you could play 10 juan matter sized peter crouches and they counted for one player in a football match that would definitely be a significant advantage but yeah good touch to it for a big man would be taken to a whole new level with one crouch sized matter at Nightwink99 says, if Fergie had dabblings in the signing of Juan Mata, would you accept him in a director of football role? I think that'd be a little bit too close to the players, wouldn't it? So, director of football... Mm. So, David Moyes has got the ultimate say on transfers and players, and uh, that doesn't always happen if you have this kind of duality of director of football and coach uh, I, I don't think that's the way United are set up structurally I don't see them changing now Moyes has been given the final say he's also personally involved in the scouting as we know um, so no okay fair enough um, at Master Uguay says what do you think Juan Mata's favourite karaoke song is I reckon it's got to be something in a kind of super sophisticated Serge Gainsbourg or maybe like playing saxophone along with Miles Davis instead of, you know, a typical belter. I'm not sure Juan Mata's going to be belting out I Will Survive. No, and let's hope he doesn't do any god-awful Europop either. At Joe underscore Cooper underscore says, Mata, 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 hashtag Rankcast. I'm excited too, Joe. I, I feel you. I really do. At 987 underscore Sean says, Will Mata buy a house or just rent David De Gea's spare room? I, I'm sure he'll buy a massive mansion. He was photographed off with his uh, charming girlfriend uh, looking at houses in Cheshire, uh, as they all do. They're somewhere around Alderley Edge. He'll, he'll get, you know, just the 10 bedrooms, I suppose. 
Axe the Huge says, will Rooney pick himself to play in the number 10 role this weekend? And from which flank should Mata operate? Um, I say left. Yamazai left, Mata right, Rooney central. Uh, yes, that, that might happen, I suppose. And there's there's uh, certainly some interest in, in that kind of formation. I mean, it's certainly very hard for United to knock it along and uh, put in a cross playing like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think Rooney will pick himself for the number 10 role at the weekend. <laughs> I, I just so desperately hope that the meme that basically he just wants to knock it long to the big man it proves in the long run not to be the truth of David Moyes' heart but we'll see At Ole Ole United says by what percentage has, how, has our squad's handsomeness increased with the signing of Juan Mata it's a pretty significant uptick I'd say because he is just handsome Wayne Rooney he's what would happen if Wayne Rooney had been you know just a very slight tweak hmm. He's got a significant chin on him, though. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a problem, and he's got a good facial hair situation to deal with that. This is true. Some people like the baby good looks of Anderson, though. Yeah, that's true, and he's long gone now, so sad. But those people can move to Florence, and I'm sure they'll be romantic and happy there. And if Wacko Jacko ends up at Inter, then, you know, some people will be sad about that, too. Yep. At McKee underscore Mark with the final question of the week says, John Wayne or Clint Eastwood movies? Hashtag Rankcast. Clint Eastwood, come on. John Wayne wasn't an actor and uh, he looked like he'd crapped in his pants all the time. Uh, The only exception to the John Wayne rule in terms of acting is his performance in The Searchers, which he manages to draw some reserve of existential pain. He's also pretty good in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. No, Who Shot Liberty Valance? No, The Man Who Shot... Anyway, whichever one it is, John Wayne's all right in it. But yeah, Clint Eastwood by miles, the sheer variety of work right yeah uh, both uh, in front of and behind the camera very frying career he's still alive right now he's definitely been pickled he's got to be go- pushing on 80 now uh, but a, a very fine body of work and does some fine western too both weird republicans though yes so that's always problematic but you know what are you gonna do N- not vote republican is what you'd normally do if you don't like that kind of thing and you have a vote in the u.s talking of weird right-wing politics we're traveling to stoke that is the best segue that's ever been done on this show. I'm, I'm, I'm claiming that now. Yeah, so... You can you can cut out the commentary about the segue, though. <laughs> no, that's, it adds to it. We're going to Stoke. It's a vitally important game. David Moyes has managed a remarkable achievement in getting us knocked out of both cups. He's made every game into a cup final because we really... I mean, Liverpool looked absolutely excellent against Everton it's going to be a heck of a fight for fourth place and we just cannot afford to let momentum slip against Stoke well very true yes absolutely I mean I said last week that it's not just about making up those six points to Liverpool or seven given the goal difference it's also making up points to Everton and Tottenham Everton's loss means that United are just the two Uh, Tottenham uh, are playing City as we speak so we'll see what the result is there that might make it currently getting battered by City yep well uh, there you go as expected, most people do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, they need to drop points as well if United uh, to make fourth. And then Liverpool need to lose some form. I mean, they're playing uh, very well at the moment, unfortunately. Or, you know, as well as Liverpool have in a while. As long as they don't play Steven Gerrard, it seems to work for them. Uh, they did against Everton, so just to break that rule. But uh, it's, it's difficult for United because there's a lot of points and we've been inconsistent. So we need to suddenly find some consistency. And while Juan Mata will certainly add into the final third, he's not going to help much defensively. And that's where the mess has been against the better side. So Stoke will test United for sure. I can't say they play any decent football. They play better football than they did under Tony Pulis. Marcuse is trying to get them to at least pass the ball now and again and they should be safe this season so it'll be a test but Javier Hernandez always scores there right so clearly he'll start on the bench 
Stoke might be playing some slightly better football but their results are absolutely abysmal they've not won in the league since the 21st of December uh, they won in the FA Cup against Leicester at home on the 4th of January scraping a 2-1 win a reasonable one all withdrawal with Everton uh, but otherwise it's uh, pretty horrific it lost 5-1 to Newcastle lost 3-0 to Tottenham uh, lost 5-3 at home to Liverpool in what was a pretty exciting game actually and they are as we record losing to Sunderland although there's a long way to go in that one well they're, they're- they're right down there but you know you'd think they've got enough players to to be safer though Mark Hughes does have a remarkable record of trying to get teams relegated he generally gets sacked before it actually happens they swapped Oddie Wingy for uh, for um, Kenwin Jones this week which is an interesting one uh, maybe Hughes just wants a little bit more pace up front uh, I suppose that would help with their penetration. I, I presume that Odin Wingy actually found the club and didn't wander into the QPR car park this time round. But, you know, they, they, it's, uh, it's an interesting swap because Cardiff can't score goals either. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that's going to save their league status, is it, necessarily? Um, but, you know, yeah, there's, there's so many bad teams in the Premier League. Stoke face us, go to Southampton, very difficult place, face Swansea, massive game, and then go to Manchester City. So uh, they could lose all four of those. And here's a prediction, if they lose, all four Hughes will get the sack oh and and you know I don't like to celebrate the misfortune of others but you know Mark Hughes' managerial career has been has stood in opposition to everything good he stood for at Man United hasn't it that's right he died for me in 1995 remember <laughs> yes. everything before that after that see you Mark nothing when he was in the TV studio when we played Chelsea in the first FA Cup back at Wembley uh, he said he was a boyhood Chelsea fan and so he was going to back Chelsea over the Reds unacceptable unacceptable yeah it would be unacceptable for David Moyes to lose this game uh, really I mean I have to say the signing of one matter means I don't know what could happen between now and the end of the season to see Moyes lose his job um He's getting another season, isn't he? You know, he's getting—he's definitely getting another season. I don't think United would lose enough games. I mean, we'd have to lose a lot of games in the second half of the season to see the owners lose confidence in him. He's getting another season, and it's all about fourth spot now. It's how desperate it's become. Though it doesn't half sound pathetic uh, when uh, United, eleven points champions last season, are scrabbling around hoping to make fourth. Even worse, might have to qualify for the Europa League. The indignity of it. I'm—I'm uh, I'm totally getting into this though. The battle. Of fourth place I'm like yeah there's real stakes now this is the whole you know winning a title schminning the title you know we've done that loads of times this is the whole future of the club is riding on this this is massive because the whole summer recruitment's going to be a heck of a lot easier if we get that fourth spot so this is like make or break for the next 20 years oh dear look it's, it's like cookie cutter <laughs> Arsenal fan that is isn't it desperate yeah. desperate and sad no it's not good enough should have been a lot better well yeah but it's too late for that now you know it's not going to be a lot better is it <laughs> let's face it I have to say talking of cookie cutter Arsenal fans one vaguely slightly amusing possibility is that Arsenal will collapse and drop out of the top four and we'll get in in, in their place which wouldn't be at all funny yes and unlikely to happen given that they have found some consistency this season although had a tough game at Southampton but quite a lot of people have had a tough game at Southampton let he who has not struggled against mid-table side this season cast the first stone. 
Mm, quite. So, prediction for the Stoke game. Are we going to win? Yes, because uh, Javier Hernandez is going to score. <laughs> What's the score going to be then? I think United will go there and win 1-0. Mm, uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win to United. Uh, Ooh, one matter getting off the mark. Opening is a count. Sure, sure you don't want to give us a top 10 list of potential scores? So harsh. So harsh. Look, it's not my fault, all right? I'm trying to turn it into an art form. Trying being the optimal word there. <laughs> Oh, that's it. <laughs> We're finished. Very good. So if you haven't checked out Paul's, um, what should we call it? Writing, that's it. Writing <laughs> on Bleacher Report. Please do. Oh, yeah, and you know, if you really like kind of long-winded, miserablest financial analysis, unitedrun.co.uk, you know. Yes, uh, and uh, my latest movie on uh, the snowflake in the Arctic it's eight hours long. <laughs> Be coming soon. Uh, by the way, Ed, I have thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed a bunch of the stuff you've written recently on unitedround.co.uk. If listeners are not regular readers, it's just... Well, reading is hard, to be fair. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's way harder than listening to stuff, I think. Like, you know you know what? Writing's hard, too. <laughs> That's, that's why it's good if it can be a top 10 list. Yes, very good. Well, yes, you can go check out that stuff on the blog, I suppose, at United Rank Co. UK. You can find us on Facebook, not literally on Facebook. You can find a United Rank page. We sometimes update it. Uh, you can actually find a United Rank page on Google+. Plus. Uh, I went there and realised I hadn't posted any of the stories for the past two <laughs> years. So I started doing it again. Just because the three people that use Google Plus, I, I figure it gives you Google life, right? So you know you have to feed the beast and and all of that. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, where we are far more active. Paul is uh, being all gushing about various people and players at Unity D Rantcast. I'm generally arguing with some kind of numpty at United Rant. Uh, so come along and abuse me. I, I like hitting the block button because it's the thing I do most on yeah. Twitter. I think it's fair to say that our Twitter situation fairly aptly describes the differences in our approach to life, isn't it, Ed? Maybe. Um, it is interesting how I can provoke outrage and hatred, genuine hatred and questioning of my parentage and life expectations uh, from simply tweeting something like, that was a good goal in it. Shut up, yeah? Liverpool are much better than you. Mm, something along the line. Actually, it's United fans who abuse me most. <laughs> yeah. God, why do you hate United so much, Ed? I don't know. I've been practising hating them for a very long time, though, so it's, you know, I've just built up a knack for the hate. If you want to feed this hatred, unitedrun.co.uk slash donate. Uh, thank you so much uh, to the people that have kicked in... Um, not insubstantial amounts of support for the show. Uh, we're, we're on our way. We're on our way. The millions are coming. It's donationware, and uh, Facebook is basically donationware. You donate your time on Facebook, and corporates pay them millions of pounds to advertise there. Yeah, and we... You, you donate, your, we donate our time to United Rant Podcast, and you pay us millions of pounds to be... Well, maybe not. The thing is, we won't... Uh, infiltrate your ears with advertising there have been no telephone calls from Squarespace to us to get in some advertising so this is really the only way we can uh, fund the podcast and it is incredibly incredibly all joking aside it is super nice of the people that have uh, chipped in to do that so thank you very much indeed you know who you are very good and uh, I'm off to feed my cocaine and prostitute habit <laughs> Paul is off to write a top 10 list of vices that I have got. And uh, in the meantime, let's hope United score at Stoke. Come on, United.